This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. That's my buddy, Ben Urbanski, that was good friends of ours when we were living up in Canada. That's up on the, sh- the coastline of Lake Superior in spring, which means you die if you fall in the water. It's that cold. And he likes to call that game sinkers and floaters. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. And I just remember uh, watch, watching that video and just asking him, like, why would you do that? And he's like, there's, there's very few times in my life when I get to walk on water, and this is one of them. And so I just love that that was his desire, his experience. And I just remember seeing him doing that, and it just felt like that's been my journey in life so many times. Like, I want to I wanna live this big and great life, but it just seems like sometimes it's just safer to stay on the shoreline. And, and you know, have you ever noticed that sometimes Jesus is like, get out here with me. Let's get out into the adventure. Come on, I got something for you. And, and we're going to see that as we're continuing this series that we're, we're walking through this summer called Take Heart, where we're looking at one of Jesus' catchphrases, this, this phrase he'll say over and over and over again to different people in different places and different moments of life where he's saying, take heart, come on, I'm in the story now, I've got a life for you. And so we're going to take a look at this epic story that we see in the life of Jesus and his first followers And they're caught up in a terrifying moment. And Jesus shows up and does something amazing. And yet in this moment, one of his closest friends, one of his first followers, Peter, decides he wants to do it too. He wants to see what Jesus is doing. And he's thinking, maybe I can do this too. And he takes an epic step step of faith and experiences something incredible in his own story. And so we're going to take a look at this and see, okay, what can we learn from this story, from the life of Jesus, for our story today? So have you ever been in that place where you're like, what the heck is going on? What are we trying to do? God, where are you? Well, you're not alone. And Jesus wants to meet us today. And so if you don't know anything about Jesus, here's what I want you to know. He is really good. And he's really for you. And today, let's see what we can discover about that. So let's jump into the story. This takes place in the life of Jesus. Matthew, one of his his followers, tells the story of Jesus. And this is what we read in this certain account here. Matthew 14, we're told this. That immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples, his followers, get back into the boat and cross through the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. And after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Okay, so immediately after this, what has just happened? Well, Jesus has been teaching, and this crowd of people have shown up. And it's almost like he's doing like a mini conference. It's like he's doing his own little thing, and people are showing up for a couple of days, and they're running out of food, and his followers are like, Jesus, you got to send people home. Like, like the the food trucks didn't show up. Like, we don't know how to feed all these people. And Jesus is like, well, what, what do we have? And they're like, we've got some bread and fish. And he's like, okay, I'll feed them. And he prays and he multiplies and he does this miraculous thing where he feeds this crowd of over 5,000 people with just a little happy meal from McDonald's. And the people are fed and they're full. And so that's what Matthew said. Hey, immediately after this moment where his disciples saw him do the miraculous and they got to be a part of it with him because they got to help feed this crowd. Jesus is like, okay, boys, it's time to pack up shop. We got to move on. And so he sends them on the lake and so they head out on their own. And then he goes up to pray. Because you'd see Jesus doing this constantly. He would just say, Father, what do you want? Father, what's in the story? Father, where do I do? And he was constantly looking to God to guide him. And so while he's up praying, his followers are out in the boat. And this is what begins to happen. Meanwhile, 
Do you ever feel like there's a meanwhile in your story? Like, like, geez, it's so good. Okay, meanwhile, something happens, right? Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Okay, so these, some of these guys are seasoned fishermen. Like, this is their career. This is their field. But have you ever been in a situation where you're looking at the pros, and they're freaking out, and you realize, maybe I should freak out? Like, if you're on an airplane, and you see, like, the pilot running past, and she's got a parachute on, you're like, this is bad, right? Like, so you got to imagine, like, this is an intense storm moment, and so these, these guys are freaking out. And then about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them. So catch this. Where is Jesus as they're out on the water initially? He's on land, praying to God. And then at some point in the middle of the night, he's like, I should go catch up to them. And this is what I love about Jesus. It doesn't deter him that there's water between him and his friends. He's just like, okay. And he's just walking out on the water toward them. I, I just, I, I, like Jesus is just like, no big deal. I created all this. I understand how physics works. I can do this. And I'm just going to head on out. Well, his friends haven't seen this yet, right? <laughs> so when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. They're in their fear and they cried, it's a ghost. Like, so not only are they caught up in a storm that's scaring them to death, now they think it's a haunted storm, right? So this is not a good moment for them. And they're freaking out out in this moment and so then i love this but jesus spoke to them at once don't be afraid he said take courage i am here and this is it this is the catchphrase this is what we see take courage what jesus says in this moment in the language of of his day was take heart take heart because i'm here i am with you in the middle of the storm and i don't know if you've ever felt like you just need jesus to say those words to you But then if you've ever felt Jesus saying those words to you, have you ever just asked this question? But so what does that mean? Like, so what that you're here? Like, thank you. Like, I'm not alone in this moment, but so what that you're here? Like, like what can you do about this? Why can I have hope that you're here in the midst of the storm with me? And the clue into the answer to that question is what Jesus says, take courage, I am here. Because when Jesus says, I am here, he's actually saying something amazing about who he is. He's saying something about his identity and who he understands himself to be. Because when Jesus says, I am here, he's not simply saying, hey, this dude that you've been hanging out with for the past couple years is here. He's saying, I am is here. Those are big words. And you're like, so what does that mean? Is that just some weird grammar that Jesus is throwing out? Well, no. You, if, you, if you look at the life of Jesus, you'll see that he made some incredible claims about his, himself. And we see this in an earlier story in another account. And, and one of his other friends is telling the story about Jesus. And Jesus is having this conversation with, with some of the people in his day. And it's getting kind of heated. And, and they don't like some of the stuff he's doing. And so they're just kind of going back and forth. And they're kind of getting to this, this argument. And Jesus says something incredible. And, and this, this is in John 8, 57 through 58. And he's talking to them about who his father is and who their, their father is. And, and so they're saying, well, our father is Abraham. And Jesus is like, well, my father is God. I got one up on you. And, and Abraham was someone famous in their, their past and their story. And so we see this in John 8, 57 through 58. And Jesus has basically said, like, hey, I'm telling you, I, I've already seen Abraham. And so they're confused. So this, we're jumping into kind of a middle of a thing. Read the whole thing if you want to get the full story. But this is just the highlight reel. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you? have seen Abraham. Because Jesus is claiming, like, I, I saw Abraham. And like, Abraham lived, like, generations ago. You're, like, 30-something. Like, what are you talking about? And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. 
See, there's that phrase that he's saying out in the middle of the storm. And it's an interesting way to end a sentence, isn't it? And I'm like, I am um, what, Jesus? Before Abraham was born, I am excited because I read the story. Like, what are you saying? Well, Jesus is making a claim about his identity as being God. Because Jesus is saying something really big with these two little words. Because if you go back when God was first moving and inviting people into the story and saying, I haven't abandoned the human race, I'm on the move. He meets with this guy, Moses. And Moses, he's like, Moses, I want you to go back. Remember the movie? Did you see the movie with Moses? When God meets him at the burning bush. And, and Moses is like, well, who do I say sending me? Because these people don't know me. And, and I, I just met you and you're saying you're the God of our ancestors. And you know what God says to Moses in that moment? He says, this is who you say sent them. I am that I am has sent you. Like when God tries to explain his identity to us, one of the best things he can tell us is that I am. Like I'm the one who is. I'm the one who has always existed. You want to know who I am? I am who I am. That's who I am. And so here's Jesus in this, this heated argument with these people that are kind of like saying, who are you? And he says, hey, I'm telling you before Abraham you existed, I am. And they understood exactly what he said, because look at their response. At that point, they picked up some stones to throw at him, because this was blasphemy. How dare you say that? But Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. And so catch this, when Jesus is saying here, take courage, because I am here. What he's saying, that the, that the God of the universe is here with you in the middle of the storm. I am the one who is greater than anything you could imagine. And something really powerful happens when we begin to see Jesus for who he fully is. We begin to have a hope for our story because we can take courage no matter what's going on because Jesus is greater than we could ever imagine. And some of us are just on the journey of discovery. We're like, well, who's this religious teacher? Like, was he a prophet or not? And it's like, yeah, he was those things, but oh my gosh. Sorry, this is what Miguel and I were talking about earlier. Oh my gosh, Jesus is so much more. And whatever you think you've discovered about him, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because there is more and more to who he is. And we can have courage. Because when Jesus walks into the room, when he walks into the storm, we're with the one who is greater than anything we're going through. We're with the one who is greater than our fear and our anxiety. We're with the one who is greater than the situation that is spiraling out of control. We're with the one who is greater than the relational dynamics that we're trying to figure out. Can you help me in this? I'm trying to learn how to be a parent. I'm trying to learn how to be a good spouse. Jesus, can you help me? And Jesus is like, I am is here. Take courage. Take heart. Hope comes with him into the midst of the storm we're walking in. And so here they are. We're freaking out in the middle of the storm. It's a ghost. And then Jesus is like, dudes, it's me. And I'm here. Take courage. Take heart. And there's so much hope that comes with Jesus in this moment that one of his closest followers, his friend Peter, loses his mind with excitement and does something really stupid. Look at this. Look at this. Look what Peter does. Take courage, Jesus says, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Okay, I love Peter as one of the first followers of Jesus. Because this guy is an idiot sometimes. 
Like, and he just says the wrong things. He's always putting his foot in his mouth, and he's just always getting ahead of Jesus, and he's always just trying to figure it out. And Jesus is like, Peter, like one time Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. You have in mind the things of men. Like, that's not really what you want Jesus to say to you, right? So, like, I don't know about you, but Peter gives me hope that maybe I can figure it out with Jesus too. And so here's Peter in this moment, and he's like, what a ridiculous question. Peter, what are you thinking? And he's so impulsive, he's always doing the wrong thing, he's saying the wrong thing. And so look at what Jesus says to him. So if that's you, Lord, tell me to come to you walking in the water. So Jesus said, you stupid dude, get in the boat and shut up. Oh, no, wait, I'm reading the Bible wrong again. Yes, come, Jesus said. Now I'm like, what is going on? Like, like, wait a second, Jesus, like, you are greater than, you are the I am in the middle of the storm, and here's Peter in the boat, and yet he says, can I come to you out on the water, and your response is, come on, bro. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I don't know about you, but when I read that, there's a part of me that is terrified and excited. Because what if the impossible is possible when Jesus says, come? What if the impossible is possible because Jesus is inviting us to trust him with our lives in the midst of the stories we find ourselves in? And I just got to ask the question in this moment, like, what, what is Peter thinking in this moment? Like, what, what is Peter thinking that he sees Jesus and the lights are going on and suddenly he's like, maybe I can do this too. Right, because there's times I look at like, like, well, it's Jesus. Of course, Jesus can do it because of who he is. But the audacity to think that maybe I could do it too? And what is going on in the story? And what's Peter thinking? And yet here's the reality. Peter's a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is more than just a Sunday fan. A disciple is somebody that looks to Jesus and says, I want to learn from you. I want to become like you. And that's what Jesus said. Listen to this. In Luke 6, 40, Jesus said this, Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become what? Like the teacher. And then Jesus says this in John 12, 26. He says, Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where? Where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. And I think as much as Peter gets a bad rap for putting his foot in his mouth and being crazy, I think Peter was actually paying attention in school. I think he was actually paying attention when Jesus was talking to him and when Jesus was saying these things. And I think Peter's maybe the right kind of crazy in this moment. The right kind of crazy that says, maybe if he can do it, I can do it too, because that's what he's been saying. And maybe I want to be out there with him and not here in the boat. Maybe I want to be with Jesus And if Peter's listening and praying, and I think Peter realizes something important, I I can't be like my teacher unless I'm with him. And I think what maybe Peter's thinking in this moment is an important lesson for us. We have to be with Jesus if we're going to become like Jesus. Where's Jesus at work in your story right now? Yeah, sometimes I want him to be working in my story right here, but then sometimes I'm praying and I'm looking and like, why are you over there? Why are you, why are you in that area of my, like, no, I want you here, Jesus. And I think sometimes Jesus is like, are you going to join me or what? Because it's really comfortable right here, Jesus. 
the boat is comfortable, Jesus. Never mind, I'm scared to death, and I was crying out for help, and then suddenly you show up, but you're not in the boat, you're out there. And here's the crazy thing. This isn't the first time they've been in a storm together. They'd been in a storm together once before. If you read earlier in Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, if you read in Matthew chapter 8, they'd been in the storm like this with Jesus before, but that time it was different because in Matthew 8, they're, they're paddling across the boat and it had been a long day and Jesus is tired so he goes down to take a nap and then the storm hits and things are going crazy and they're out of control and they think they're going to die and someone's like, wake up Jesus! And so they go and they find him and they wake him up and you almost get the sense when you read the story that Jesus is kind of annoyed with them. Like, I was having a good nap, guys. And so Jesus wakes up from the nap, and he looks around, and he says, shut up. It's kind of what he would have said in the Greek. He says, be still. And he's not talking to his friend. He's talking to the storm. And it listened. And in that moment, it was calm. And so they'd been in this situation before, but this time it's different. Because this time Jesus isn't in the boat with them. This time he's out in the storm. And again, I'm thinking that maybe Peter's just wrestling and doing the math in his head. And, and maybe at one level he's thinking, like, maybe it's better to be Jesus, be with Jesus out in the storm than to be without him in the boat. Even though that sounds crazy. Even though that's terrifying. And at some level maybe he's thinking, and why not me? And I love it. There's this whole group in the boat. And one guy gets to walk on water because he asks, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. And Jesus says, come. And bro doesn't. And he gets to walk into that moment. And see, I think so often in the journey of following Jesus, it's really easy to settle for what's comfortable today, what's comfortable for right now, with the way I saw God working in my story in the past. And to lose sight of the fact that maybe he wants to do something new in me and in my story. And maybe he wants to do something new through me in my story for the sake of others. But if I want to experience that, I have to be willing to say, Jesus, where are you at work? Call me into that with you. And when he says, come, take that step. And when he says, come, and you take that step, it's scary. Because it means saying goodbye to what's comfortable today so you can step in to the epic moment with him. Our family has felt that in our journey. We're in the middle of it again right now. As we're, as we're like wrestling with God, like, what are you doing in our story? And we know, we know it's time to leave, but we don't know what that means. And, and yet, like, there, there's a point in time when you walk with Jesus long enough, you're kind of screwed in a good way. And, that, and what I mean by that is, like, you've just seen him do too much to not trust him with a new thing. Because I remember when, when, when God was working our story and he was calling us out to go to Canada. <laughs> Christy and I were just, like, talking through this the other day and, and reminiscing on what that felt like. And it made no sense. Why are you calling these beach kids to the heart of the continent? Because we're literally as far from the ocean as you can get. And it's called winter in brutal way. Like, God, this makes no sense. Other than you are saying, come. I remember I had this running playlist that I was listening to at that point in my life. And there's just some songs that I was listening to. And there's this song that as if the, the, the worship leader of the song was speaking as if Jesus was singing over you. And this one song, and it was just these words, come away with me, come away with me. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be full of me. And at that same time, there's this, this older woman in our church who felt like God had given her a word for us. And so she came to us after one of the services and just said, 
I just feel like God's given me these words for you. I just, if, if they resonate with you, like take it or leave it. And she's, I just feel like what God is saying to you is come away with me. And I looked at Rosemary and I'm like, have you been listening to my playlist? Like, what is this? And just so there's this epic, like, God, are we going to trust you or not? Are we going to stay in our comfort zone? Or are we going to take the step? Because I want to tell you something. I've walked on water. I mean, it was Canada in the middle of winter and the lakes were frozen. <laughs> but we still walked on water. Because when we stepped out of what was comfortable, we got to see God do amazing things in our lives and through our lives. And I want that for you. But are you willing to get out of what's comfortable today? To step out into the storm, to be with him, so you can become like him and see what he wants to do in your life and in your story. Because sometimes following Jesus, walking with Jesus will lead you into epic moments where you get to do epic things. And it's amazing. But guess what else it is? Terrifying. Because again, I love that what we see happen here in the life of Peter. I mean, I don't love it for what's about to happen to him in this moment. But I love it because it still gives me hope in my own story. So we see this Peter stepping out. Just because you take that epic step of faith doesn't mean things aren't going to get a little funky. Have you experienced that? Have you ever just like, hey, all right, here we go, Jesus. And then you're like, what just happened? So here's Peter stepping out in this moment. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went out of the side of the boat, walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind in the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And save me, Lord, he shouted. Have you just ever been there in your story? I thought I, I, thought I was doing what you wanted. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was doing the good thing. I thought I was doing the faithful thing. And then it just gets crazy. Like, what are you doing? You take that huge step of faith. And here's Peter. He steps out. And he, Matthew doesn't tell us how long he got. Like, I like to think the dude got three steps. I don't know, right? But, like, somehow he got out there far enough, and it's like, whoa. And then there's Jesus. Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> And he begins to panic and he begins to sink. And so he cries out, help me, save me. Jesus, save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Okay, catch this. A couple of things here. First of all, as far as I know, Jesus was out there in the storm. And Peter takes the step into the storm to go and be with Jesus. He gets overwhelmed and starts to sink. He cries out for help. And then immediately Jesus was there. So what that means is that Peter was never alone in that storm. Jesus was with him right there, so much so that he was right there. I got you. And then I love what Jesus says. Why do you have so little faith? To the guy that got out of the boat. What does that mean for the guy sitting in the boat? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this, though, what we see here. You have so little faith. And here's what I think is going on here. I don't think Jesus is, like, upset with Peter. I mean, he's, he, he's commending him at one level. You had enough faith, but Peter, do you realize your faith was too small still? Because you began to focus on the wrong things. You began to look at the wrong things. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you doubt me? It's almost like, Peter, we've been here before. You've seen what I can do with storms. You've lost sight of me. 
Why did you doubt me? And so when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then his disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. You are the I Am. You are who you say you are. And this epic moment happens here. And yet I wrestle with that question that Jesus asks. Why did you doubt? Because it's not just Peter. I do it all the time. How about you? Even though I know he's good. Even though I know he's amazing. Even though I know he's worth it. Like Christy had this fridge, this magnet on our fridge the whole time when we were in Canada. And it says, follow him. He is worth it. I know that's true. But there's still moments in my life where I'm like, really though? Where I'm wrestling with it and I'm struggling with it. And I think that, that we need to be prepared for the fact that when we say yes to Jesus and we get out of our comfort zone and we give him that yes and we say, I'm going to walk with you. I think we just got to get ready that it's going to get scary. It's going to get intense. And, and I mean, there's like, like maybe three reasons why. I don't know if this is exhaustive at all. But I think sometimes when we say this, that, that things start to get a little bit crazy. I think part of the reason why is that when we begin to trust Jesus with our lives and walk with him and follow him, we're beginning to throw off the dysfunctional patterns of the world around us. And I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but sometimes when somebody starts to get healthy in a dysfunctional system, the system begins to attack them. Yeah? Have you ever felt that with family? Like Jesus is beginning to turn your life around and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to play the petty games anymore. And you're like, I want this healthy thing for you. And they're like, don't change the dynamic. It's dysfunctional and we like it. And they just come at you. Same thing at your work. You begin to honor Jesus with what he'd want from you. You begin to work with integrity and character and honesty in a world that seems to operate in the opposite values. And instead of saying, how can we have more of that? They're like, stop it. Because <laughs> that's part of what happens. I, I think maybe another reason why things get crazy when we begin to take Jesus seriously and trust him is that there is an enemy at work in this world who does not like it when Jesus' followers believe Jesus and follow him. If you want to be a threat in this world, believe Jesus and follow him. If you don't want to be a threat in this world, Get out your black highlighter when you're reading your Bible and just cross out the things you don't like. The enemy's like, oh, we don't have to worry about that one anymore. The ones who are a threat in this world to the enemy and the darkness of this world are those who say, Jesus, I trust you, come what may. And I don't know about you, but I want to go down swinging in the name of Jesus, not sit back in the boat and watch the world burn around us. And I think maybe another reason why the things get crazy is because God sometimes knows that the best way to grow us up is to let things get a little crazy around us. Indy, my oldest daughter, when she was little, we would go to the beach, and it didn't take me very long to realize she did not have a healthy fear of the ocean. And so I remember, like, we'd be playing in the water, and she'd be waddling out. You remember, like, if you ever got your kids to the, and they're wearing the diapers, and suddenly it's like this flotation device that swells around them? And I'm like, that won't help because you'll bob upside down, right? And I just remember there's this one moment as she's there, and the waves are little, right? Like, for me, they're no big deal. But for her, they're, like, more than half her size. And I just remember watching her just like that. And I just this one time, I was holding her, her little fingers on my hands, and we're just kind of dancing the waves. And I'm like, because I love you, I'm going to let this one take you. And I just stepped back, and, and she came up to me, oh, and I grabbed her, and I got you, I got you. And it's like, all of a sudden, she had a healthy fear. And now she loves to, like, swim in the ocean because she's grown to understand it. And I think there's times where God's like, I just, I need you to grow up a little bit and learn that the world is big, but I'm bigger. 
And he does this with us sometimes. And those are like, like, I'm like, God, can I take the other course, please? I had a friend once who just wrestled for what God was doing in his story for like 15 years. And as he kind of came through this, this growth that God was producing in him, he was really just praying honestly with God, like, why, why couldn't we have gone the other route? And what he just sensed God saying is, I tried. But this was the only way I could get you to grow up. That's why I learned from people's mistakes, right? <laughs> if you can, otherwise live your own and see how God wants to grow you up. But I love this question, like, why did you doubt me, Peter? Why did you look away? And I think there's something important to understand in this moment, that when we're taking that epic step of faith, what we focus on will determine the strength of our faith. So here's Peter for a hot minute walking on water because he's eyes on Jesus. He's focused on Jesus. But the moment the storm became greater than Jesus is where Peter got in trouble. And we do that all the time, don't we? We focus on the wrong thing. We focus on what's happening. And again, I think Peter's question, or Jesus' question to Peter, why did you doubt me? It wasn't to shame him. It was to remind him. Don't you remember who I am in the story? You've seen what I've done. Oh, why did you doubt me? We've been here before. And yet Peter allowed his fear to cause him to focus on the wrong thing. And his fear caused him to falter. To falter because he saw the storm as greater than the one who was with him in the storm. It's interesting when you think about fear and the dynamic it can play in your life. Like there's healthy fear, right? There's good fear. Like again, helping my daughter have a healthy fear of the ocean. Jesus says something really amazing to me in Luke 12. I'll paraphrase it, but you can read it on your own. This is Jesus saying this. And he's talking to his followers who are wrestling with following him because they're starting to get heat from the religious establishment. And they're like, it might actually cost us our lives to follow you, Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to encourage them. Don't fear men who can kill your body. Fear the one who can destroy your body and soul in hell. That's not on my bumper sticker ever. Top quotes of Jesus. And yet I think what Jesus is saying in that moment is if fear is going to be a motivating factor, then fear the right thing. Because if you fear the right thing, you'll make the right decision. And I think that idea, like, okay, God, like, like, like Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because I don't start in a place of relationship with God. I start in a place of running away from God. But if I begin to fear the right thing, wisdom begins. And then the long-term gain is that I know who God is. And then John writes, perfect love casts out all fear. That's the end game. That's where God's trying to get us. But I don't start there. So if I have the healthy fear, I suddenly begin to realize, I'm not going to mess with you because you're the greatest. But then that begins to change, and I just discover how amazing God is, and I realize, and I'm not going to worry about anything else messing with me when I belong to you because you're the greatest. I'm going to trust you and follow you. I think I learned that moment with my daughter because of what I learned from my mom with the ocean. I remember one time going out to the, the ocean. We used to go to Huntington Beach growing up. And for whatever reason, we thought it would be really fun to bring an inflatable raft, like the kind that you paddle around in in Lake Flatwater. We thought, this would be a good idea. Let's go out in the waves and see what happens. <laughs> Not a good idea. And I remember being in this raft and, and uh, 
something happened. We were caught up in this little bit of a rip current, and it's my mom and I in the raft, and we're just getting tossed. Like this wave, like we're getting flipped, and I'm just coming up, and my mom's grabbing me and throwing me back into the raft, and then we're just caught in this churning. And I remember there's this moment where I'm just screaming and crying and freaking out, and I look, and I see this giant wave coming, and I'm like, this is it. This is how we die. Mom and me, we're going to wake up, and like this is game over. And I remember my mom just gets a hold of me, and she says, Joel, look at me. You will hold on to this raft, you will hold your breath, and you will be okay. And in that moment, I was more afraid of my mom than I was of the wave. And I was like, I believe you. And we got tossed, and this was the wave that brought us to shore. And I remember I got done with that, and I looked at my mom, like this not very large woman, and suddenly I realized, oh, you're German, and all your schnell came out in that moment. But it was for my good. People, fear is a part of life. But let's not fear the stuff that has nothing on the one who's greater than the one who's in our story. I love what what the writer of Psalm says about this. Psalm 86. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. Do you see the dance and the tension and what he's writing there? And see, a healthy fear is good because it focuses on the one who has the real power. Can I just be honest with you right now? I'm kind of freaking out with our story and what God is doing. When we've just come, as Chris and I have wrestled through this last year and just kind of come to this realization that this, this is no longer going to be our home. We love you. And yet we're trusting you and ourselves into the story that God is telling. And I just remember as we begin to walk this out and process this, I, I remember talking with my older brother on the phone and he's like, so what's the plan? Like, where are you going next? And I'm like, I have no idea. He's like, wait, help me understand this. You've effectively resigned with this gracious exit as you're walking this out with your current contacts, and you don't know where you're going? Yeah, I don't. But what I know is that this is what God is calling us to do. And so we're stepping out of what's comfortable to trust him with our story, and I'm scared. Because it's not just me. It's our kids. And so a couple weeks ago when we were sharing with the leadership just a beautiful conversation as we began to process this. It was kind of a shock and awe announcement with them. And, and I was just so grateful for how quickly we got to this place of support and believing in each other and being for each other. And I was just like, God, thank you that I can process this with them. And so the next day, I, would just, I was walking around this room. Sometimes I like to do this. I just like to walk around this and pray for us and pray for you. And I'll just be honest, I was praying for me in that moment. <laughs> And it's like God just kind of gave me this word picture. And it's like the, the, the word picture was that, that we're, we're rock climbing and we're on this rock. And suddenly we realize the route that we're on, it's just, it's not ours anymore. It's not for us anymore. And so I've, I've, I've seen this. I've seen rock climbers do this. They're like, we got to start a new route. And so they begin to establish the new route. They get all the ropes in place. And then they clip onto the new route. And then they unclip from the route that they're on. And that's what wise, sane people do. Except in that moment, what I felt like God was saying was unclip and hold on and trust me. 
And I was like, God, this is a, I don't like the analogy because you already know I don't like heights. So thank you for making this even more freaky for me. And yet in that moment, I felt like, like what God was just kind of pressing in. He's like, Joel, you can look at this as an adventure with me. Or you can just keep spinning in your fear. And so I just said, I, I, wanna, I want the adventure with you. And I, I literally envisioned myself as a small kid just passing myself into God's arms as he just wrapped himself around me. And then there's this beautiful thing that we're told in the scriptures that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It surpasses all understanding. It's the kind of peace that you get when you're like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I know I'm okay because I'm with him. And that's where we're at in the story, and I'm just entrusting myself to him. And it's ironic that this series was already mapped out before we knew this was all, all this was going down. And, and I just think what a beautiful gift God is giving us. And it's a gift God's giving you. Take heart. Take heart, he says. Take heart. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And I don't know about you, I don't, I don't want pain. I don't want hardship in my journey. I'm not a spiritual masochist. <laughs> but you know what I want more than what feels safe? I want to be with him. I want to be with him. And so when he says, let's go, I want to move in that. How about you? So what are you wrestling with today? What's going on? Where, where are you wrestling with what God is doing in your story? And what he's saying is, come. Trust me with this area of your life. Trust me with this thing that you're wrestling with. Come and see what I can do. Have courage. I am is here. And so God, we come before you. And so often I think in the journey of, of, of trust, we have this picture that it's always fun and it always feels good and it's always amazing. Yet that's not the reality we walk in. Sometimes it's terrifying and overwhelming. But the one constant in it, in it all is that you are always good. And you are always greater. And you are always worth it. And so as we're here today leaning in, would you give us hearts that say to you, we trust you. We believe you. And so if you're calling us into something, we give you our yes and trust you with whatever else that means. Because we want to not only be with you, we want to become more like you. And so come and meet with us in this moment, Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.